0: Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's maze & Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go blue and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. It seems like we've been previewing the upcoming season for eight months, and in many ways, we have. It's almost time for the rubber to meet the road, as they say just under two weeks before we tee it up against Florida and get an idea what kind of team we have this year. My guest today is Shemi Schembeckler, son of legendary head coach Bo Schembeckler. If that alone doesn't qualify Shemmy to weigh in on Michigan football, his more than a decade as an NFL scout and talent evaluator certainly does. While Shemmy left the NFL world to spend more time at home, it doesn't mean he left football behind. He is president of GES Advisory, a service that evaluates high school talent from a physical perspective and academically. Not too many services put a premium on academics, but Shemi and his company want to make sure young athletes understand the two go hand in hand and you must be prepared. Shemi Schembechler is up next on our game day segment here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio. A member of the vSporto network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze & Brew. Back with us on our game day segment this week to talk Michigan football and about the great work GES advisor his company is doing, we welcome the return of Shemi Shembeckler. Great to have you back, Shemi.
1: It's always a pleasure to be with you, Mike. Thank you so much for taking the time this morning.
0: Well, before we get to some Michigan football talk, Shemi, most of our listeners know about your days as an NFL scout, but for the last mm-hmm. few years, you've been offering a wonderful service, a necessary service through your company, GES Advisory. For the sake of our listeners who don't know about that, can you give us an overview of just what GES does?
1: Most certainly, Michael. And and when I first started, and I've been thinking about this model for quite some time, even back in my days in the NFL, dating back to 2013. And and the goal of the program was to create an NFL scouting model for the benefit of high school football players to really achieve two important goals. Number one is to understand where you are as a player, and number two, being able to market that ability, not only what you're doing on the football field, but also academically to find the best school for every player that we work with. And so I'm literally breaking down game film on these high school players. And you can imagine how, I mean, we we do get into some detail and we basically pinpoint things that they could either be doing in season or out of season to improve their game, which therefore is going to enhance their recruiting prospects. And so we try to attract, you know, really good kids that love football, that are getting the job done in the classroom. And if you have good character and you are coachable, uh, we're going to be able to find a good place for you to play and go to go to school. With that said we've uh, we've had pretty good success here, and we're not even two years old with this particular model that we've been working on. and we've actually expanded uh, to fifteen states. Uh, we're actually going to be pushing 100 prospects here pretty soon, which I think. Uh, when you consider the age of the uh, business, it's pretty dramatic. And I think the value in what we do is really attracting the very best partners that we can throughout the country that either have a background in player development or coaching or scouting uh, that give us great governance throughout the country. And I think that that's the exciting part is that one of the great fortunes I have is that when you spend the amount of time that I do in, in pro football, you know who the good people are out there. So the idea that I can go out and get a Will Shields or a Kurt Bethard or a, a, a Jeff Bauer, who, uh, who is an NFL executive with the Jets, uh, it, it basically allows us to round out our program and to place these really good people in different parts of the country that can help bring Uh, really good prospects into our system.
0: I'm not familiar with another service like yours that puts an emphasis on the athletic and the academic future of young athletes. Seems GES uh, seems to be very unique in that approach, but that is such a necessary Mm -hmm. dual service, isn't it?
1: It is. It is. And And I think uh, one of the things we've really learned about this is the, the fact that you know we have a great network of college coaches and programs that really rely on our information that we send to them and and they have a lot of trust in these reports that we send to them, and they 're going to know exactly the type of player they've got coming through the door and I think that's the true value in the program, and what it does is and this really helps the parents. It saves so much time, money, and energy because parents spend so much time going to camps each and every week, each and every day throughout the summer. And there's a cost that comes with that. So one of the things that we are fortunate to do is to really streamline that recruiting process to target those schools that are going to be interested in those particular players. And so those parents, they don't have to cart their kids all over the country.
0: Well, I know what you love what you're doing right now, and it's, it's a, mm-hmm. not quite two years, but it seems like a, mm-hmm. a logical step might be uh, for you. Recruiting coordinator, is there any interest in getting back into that end of the game? Probably not, but it never hurts to talk.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I will say this, Michael, and there's a personal side to this. You know, when you're in the NFL... And uh, you are home an exorbitant amount of time, and it, it basically amounted to about nine months out of the year. There's a lot of things that you miss at the home front that, quite frankly, I'm enjoying way too much. Uh, the idea that I can take young Shem Beckler, who is a third grader, to school each and every day—that uh, is hard to replicate when you're involved with another career and you're on the road all the time. So. There's a personal side to all this as well, which I think is of great value.
0: Let's then talk about the meat and potatoes uh, of our conversation today. Michigan football, everyone wants to know what Shemmy Shembeckler thinks. Jim Harbaugh, <sighs> been here two years now. Uh, he's rocked the mm-hmm. boat. He's been innovative. Tweets up a storm. Mm-hmm. Uh, keeps the program in the news uh, with a lot of good stuff. Has he been, Jimmy, what you expected when he signed on as a head man two years ago? You know, it's very funny that you talk about meat and
1: potatoes, Michael, because meat (laughs) and potatoes, meat and potatoes comes down to competing and being physical and tough and being smart on the football field. And with that comes the results of wins and championships. All right. And that's the expectation at Michigan. And we don't want to make it about the wins in the championships, but one of the things that my dad was always brilliant at is putting those pieces together so that the result was what we wanted on the field. So I think Jim's done a very fine job. Uh, Now it's a matter of taking the talent that he has recruited up until now and creating production on the football field. So one of the things that, that, that you know that I find very important, much like what my father would have thought, is how are we going to assemble a unit on the offensive line that we are going to be able to control the down and distance, control the football, and being able to run and pass so that we are consistently effective uh, game in and game out, and put points on the board and control the clock at the same time. We, we all know what happened at the end of last year, uh, where we dropped three out of the last four, including the bowl game and One of the issues that arose off of that team is how ineffective we were running the football and And people like to get on Wilton Spade about his lack of production late in the year. I can tell you the best friend of any quarterback anywhere is an effective running game, and all it does is make them a better player. And I look forward to uh, what I see as a revamped offensive line with some new personnel up there, albeit young. But I think the talent is there. Now it's just a matter of getting them coached up and getting them to take the proper footwork and instincts and get people moved off the football so that we can do the things that we want to do in the running attack so we can open up our play action passing attack and not have to line up in the spread concept all the time uh, so that we can take advantage of secondaries because they're so worried about us running the ball down their throat.
0: Last year, we lost three games by a total of five points in any one of those games, Shemi, as we well remember. Maybe two first downs late in the game when you want your offensive line to impose their will, and it was a completely mm-hmm. different outcome in those three games. Yep.
1: You cannot win these types of games, Mike, when you're averaging a shade over two yards of carry. No. And, and one of the great things about all the great Bo Schembechler coach teams is we would get the majority of our rushing yards in the fourth quarter because the defenses couldn't take the pounding enough. So that should be our mindset at Michigan football, particularly on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, I think defensively, even though we are young, we are very talented. And I can see, you know, the learning curve to play defensive football is a lot quicker than it is to put together an effective offensive attack. So I'm not as worried about the defense as I am about the offense. But I think, like I said initially, uh, we've got the personnel there. Now it's just a matter of that personnel. Gaining the proper experience so we can do the things that
0: we want to do in the rushing attack. Well, as we speak, the quarterback battle rages on. And uh, Jim said last week, it's down to Wilton Spate and John O'Korn. And I saw a headline mm-hmm. yesterday, Shami. I thought that was uh, pretty neat. It said, Spate is learning to be comfortable about being uncomfortable uh, when it comes to this competition. Yep. And uh, that's what yep. it's all about. He has got to win this job back again, doesn't he? Uh,
1: I, in all honesty, Michael, I think it's Spate's job to lose because when you have a young offensive line that's, that's developing, they need a calm voice under center that has been through the war already. And this is nothing against John O'Corn. Uh, cause John O'Corn is a very talented quarterback, but It's those snaps on the field, being able to see the live action and to be able to know the opponents that you're facing because that experience is very hard to replicate. So I don't see Spate losing this job, quite frankly, just because of the experience factor alone.
0: Been a lot of talk about how improved, especially John O'Korn's confidence uh, is this year. And it's not a bad Mm -hmm. thing to have two quarterbacks that are that razor close, is it? Oh,
1: I agree. I, I agree wholeheartedly. Uh, I, I can see a guy like John O'Corn, regardless of what happens this season, uh, being afforded the opportunity to, uh, to actually get into an NFL camp because of his physical tools and the developmental qualities. Uh, even if he doesn't secure the starting job, I've seen plenty of guys down in my career in the NFL uh, that have been afforded that opportunity because of the expansion of practice squad numbers in the NFL. So not that we're trying to forecast something in regards to what's going to happen, but under the circumstances that I've mentioned before, if O'Corn does not win the starting job, uh, there'll there'll be opportunities for him uh, in the postseason as a, as we get closer to the draft next spring.
0: Well, Shami fans and and media are, have been very focused since last season ended on how young this coming team is going to be. And I thought it was interesting uh, last week when Jim met with the press last Friday. He was he was asked uh, how he felt about the youth, and I'm not sure if it maybe was the Big Ten Media Days or his presser last week, but I liked his answer. And mm-hmm. uh, he just smiled and he said, "You know, I'm not worried. Uh, that's sort of what college football is all about." Every year you exactly. have new, new names and new faces show up. It's mm-hmm. about competition. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Jim mm-hmm. just throws those kind of statements out there for the media. He really does believe that, doesn't he, Shemi?
1: Well, he should. <laughs> he should. <laughs> sh- especially when you've got a young team that has a certain level of experiences. You do not want to put any messaging out there that's going to that's gonna stunt their motivation. And so uh, you want to love those kids up, but you also want to challenge them on the field and just make it tough on them so that whatever they do achieve through the season, they're going to understand why they did all this difficult work to prepare, whether it's spring football or two-a-days. And I can tell you, um, to me, in some ways, it's good. Uh, for them to have the latter part of last season go south the way it did. Because what it does, it sets up your off-season program. You've got young players that are driven to succeed. And uh, they, they want to change the results that we had from last year. Uh, because the team started off so hot in the middle, at the middle and the beginning of last year that we want to sustain that success. And so for all these players that have been in our system, whether they're a redshirt freshman or a sophomore or what have you, these guys are geared up to turn the table so that we can compete for a Big Ten championship this year and hopefully get a chance uh, to make the BCS playoffs.
0: With us on our game day segment this week as we uh, discuss uh, what's up with GES advisory and, of course, uh, the upcoming Michigan football season, is Shemmy Schembechler. Shemi, in the last two weeks, I've had uh, Jamie Morris and Greg Skrepanik on the show, and we talked about the Mm -hmm. running back by committee approach that we're probably going to see from us at least early in the season, and they kind of both agree Mm -hmm. that it seems to be the culture now, not only in college, but even in the NFL, and it's really not a bad thing as far as wear and tear is concerned. What do you think about that Mm -hmm. running back by committee approach?
1: I think it's a very interesting conversation. Uh, I think the most talented players should play, And if that player needs to get spelled at a certain point in the game to get some extra reps, that is fine. That's exactly the same philosophy that my father had. Uh, I'm fine with the committee uh, concept because you have different types of backs. uh, And I haven't really looked at that depth chart. But the one thing that I know is that when I saw that Evans kid number 12 from last year, he is a very talented young man. And not that we're going to be prognosticating on what type of player he's going to turn out to be, but I saw an ability that reminded me of Marcus Allen, who we had in Kansas City when I was there. He is that kind of athlete, and I think with his second year in the system, the one thing that those running backs advance with is uh, better instincts and better vision, because they know where the holes and where they have to find them. And to me, he's got a chance to be a special back at Michigan. Uh, not to take anything away from the other backs, but, uh, I I can see him taking a step forward and becoming the guy. All right. Not that I want to disagree with Jamie and scrap because I love those guys to death. But if you have a guy that is reliable, that's going to take care of the football and be a threat in all phases of the running and passing game, I think Evans has a chance to take that uh, position by force. And then if there's other guys that we want to spell Evans with, uh, we can go ahead and do that depending on down and distance and situation from a game-to-game basis.
0: Greg Scrappening was sort of wavering on it uh, when we talked last week. He said, uh, from an offensive lineman's perspective, yeah, you probably yeah. like that one guy back there. You know how he cuts. You know how he uh, hits the holes. But like he mm-hmm. said, you can get used to uh, two or three also. So I guess we'll just have to wait and see how it rolls out.
1: Do you want me to call Scrapp so we can get him to unwaver?
0: <laughs> I, I, if you want to try that, go ahead. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the next time I'll see him, we'll have a little discussion.
0: <laughs> we gave up 11 touchdowns last year, which is amazing to me, and lost three games, giving up 11 touchdowns, which uh, you just think about that yep. for a minute. We have one starter yep. back on that defense, Mike McCray. Technically, he's the only yep. starter back. Yep. We've listened to Don Brown since uh, the end of the season through spring ball in summer appearances. Yep. Doesn't seem to phase him, and he says it over and over, hey, we're not going to miss a beat this year. Sort of kind of uh, hard to imagine, though, isn't it, Shemi?
1: Yes and no. But here's what I believe, all right? When you have the likes of Don Brown and Greg Madison, and uh, we've got outstanding coaches over there on the defensive side of the ball. I don't care how you cut it. And great coaches close that learning gap better than most. And like I said earlier, when you are preparing a defense, when you're going to have a philosophy of creating pressure, getting 11 hats to the football, and forcing your will on the offense to put them in uncomfortable situations. And I can promise you, they've got talent back there. And like I said earlier, it is easier to, to uh, produce a product on the defensive side of the ball where experience is not quite as important as it is on offense. Because if you've got a bunch of great athletic guys that can run that are tough and instinctive, and know how to find the ball, uh, the defense can improve a heck of a lot more quickly than the offense can. And based on the recruiting that we've had, we've got the likes of Rashawn Gary, who I think has a chance to be one of the premier defensive linemen in all of college football. Uh, you, You can take those guys' leads and produce something that I think has a chance to be really special. And I think can be very comparable to the defense of last year.
0: Well, we know that defensive line with Mo Hurst and Rashawn Gary is going to be just fine. And I think the linebacking mm-hmm. core, Mike McCray, Devin Bush Jr., who Devin played on special mm-hmm. teams last year, looked looks to be a very special, very quick kind of a linebacker behind those guys, the secondary. And we know we've got a lot of talent back there. They're that last line of defense, and they're all new. Do you think we're going to have a few interesting moments back there early?
1: More than likely. But if you look at our schedule and who we play, uh, I think we're going to be fine. I think if we can get past the Florida game and come out with a victory there, the rest of our early season schedule, uh, particularly non-conference, is gonna be a great learning tool uh, for those secondary kids because I think personnel-wise, we're gonna be able to match up favorably with all of those early season games, whether it's UC or Air Force or what have you. And to me, uh, the effectiveness of a defense, and, and and we love having great secondary guys. We've had some good ones down through the years, obviously. But if you have a strong front seven and you can control the line of scrimmage and make things simple to understand on the back half, because you are so good at grading pressure, uh, it'll give that secondary time to improve.
0: I agree with that wholeheartedly. It's, it's good we're mate. on the same page, Mike. Absolutely. Great minds think alike, I guess. Uh, uh, <laughs> last year, I got emails, it seemed like every week, asking me, do we have another kicker other than Kenny Allen? And that always astounded me. Because... Number one, mm-hmm. if someone was better than Kenny, he'd be out there. And he had an outstanding mm-hmm. year, an outstanding Michigan career. And think back to that Ohio State game when he pinned them over, deep in their end, over and over, punting. This year, yep. the Kenny Allen naysayers are going to get their wish. We have a new kicker, a new punter. And we often, as fans, overlook these guys until they, you know, shank a punt, miss an extra point, or short field goal. Yep. But this is an area to keep an eye on early in the season, isn't it, Shemi?
1: Oh, there's no doubt about that. Yep, absolutely. I just think um, special teams, especially the punt game, uh, played such a huge role in each, every, each and every game. And it's all about field position. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and I'll be honest with you, Mike, I haven't studied these young guys. and Until I get a chance to see them play, I'm not really going to know uh, how they're going to come forward. I've heard things, rumblings about uh, the competition as it stands right now, but I think for any of us to have any idea of of what Jim's going to put out there on special teams, we really don't know. So this, to me, is going to be a thing that gets evaluated from game one and to see how it progresses because it's all about field position and making field goals when we're in a position to do so, okay? Now, the hope is – is that our offense is so effective that we can convert in red zone situations because we can run the football. It's a heck of a lot easier on the special teams if we can score touchdowns and kick a PAT as opposed to having to line up and kick a 40 or 50 yard field goal. So let's hope that's
0: what happens. Let's hope so. Uh, and another, speaking of field position, Shemi, uh, another area to watch mm-hmm. is going to be. Punt and kick returns. Who's handling that for us? We saw in the spring game it was a bit of an adventure. Last year, uh, just an amazing statistic to me, our average starting point for drives was almost the 40-yard line, and that was because of Jabril Peppers just being back there. Uh, And that's another piece of the game fans don't about. Well, Michael, we
1: block too now. You never make it about one player, Mike. And uh, I, I think with the mindset that we have on special teams, uh, if we can get bodies on bodies to give that punt returner or kick returner a start into his return, I, I don't see any reason why we couldn't be more effective. I think one of the overlooked things about special teams and return units is that so much of it is put on that singular returner. And I don't mean to take anything away from Peppers because he was an outstanding returner. But you got to have people that are going to line up and and get on their blocks and stay on their blocks so that we can afford these opportunities to get a return. So yeah, let's let's look at the other ten guys because they're they're to me they're more important than the returner itself.
0: Well, and you are right about that's it's uh there are eleven guys out there eleven man efforts, so it's going to be interesting to watch uh, and we'll get yep. a peek in that Florida game at this point uh, two years in it's still pretty much the honeymoon phase for Jim Harbaugh with the Michigan fan base it's just it's unabated love. If the team struggles this year, and, you know, I even hate to say this, doesn't beat Ohio State, do you think we're going to start seeing, you know, a little bit of unrest in that very adoring fan base?
1: What do you think my old man would say if we had lost (laughs) to Ohio State three years in a row under Uh, the Jim Harbaugh regime? Imagine if my dad was still alive and, and he would have an office down the hall from down there. Uh, I don't think that's something that Jim is very interested in,
0: don't you? I would agree with that wholeheartedly.
1: The fan base, I mean, I totally agree, but I would much rather avoid the wrath of Bo (laughs) Beckler if we lose to Ohio State at home this year. And mind you, Ohio State, and you've seen all the preseason rankings Mm -hmm. and how special that defense is going to be with all those returning players coming back. Uh,
0: they're going to have a heck of a team coming to Ann Arbor next fall, and we need to be ready, okay? And I think we will be. And speaking of your dad, last question for you, Shemmy. Uh, in an interview just mm-hmm. before camp started, um, Jim said he often wonders what your dad would think of the way he is running the program, both on and off the field. So, of course, uh, mm-hmm. no one knew your dad better than you. What do you think your mm-hmm. dad would say if Jim asked him, are you proud of me, Bo?
1: Bo would never tell you that. <laughs> He would never tell you that because he think it would make you soft. Okay. (laughs) Now he would show instances in which you could infer that he was proud of you, but he would never actually tell you because consider the master of motivation that he was, he understood Jim and every other guy that ever came through that program and how they were wired and and he was so good. I remember sitting through press conferences with him is that if he promoted a player or talked about a player, it was about something that they did or it had nothing to do with what he was going to do. Like this guy is going to be special. He would never say that. He would say, oh, Leach played good. Uh, he made a good play down here. Uh, Harbaugh made a nice throw down here. It was never about pumping those players up because he wanted all of his players to stay humble. Mm-hmm. And I would say if you're going to sit down with my dad behind closed doors and ask him about the state of the program, he would say that we're on the right track. We're recruiting the right types of players, the right types of kids to build a winning culture in what we're doing. But now it's time to take that talent, that ability that we have in that locker room and converting it into production on the field, whether it's practice, games, or what have you. And uh, uh, he, he would definitely say that we're on the right track, but we're also a program based on accountability. You are what your record is. And he can point to that and let that serve as motivation for this team. And I think Jim has a keen understanding of that, and it's the whole idea that you have never arrived as a program you're only as good as your next game and your next season and your next off season and if you have that mindset uh, that's going to be the mindset is that we're either going to get better or get worse and if you just keep that pressure on and it's the good kind of pressure it's the hard type of coaching uh, that basically was the trademark of all my father's teams. And I think Jim understands that implicitly. This is why his practices are so demanding and physical and tough, exactly the way Michigan football uh, is designed. And I think the results will come, but quite frankly, they can't come fast enough. We're in year three. Uh, we have to compete for a Big Ten championship and a chance for the to play in the BCS playoffs. And if we don't reach those goals, we'll know that we still have plenty of work cut out for us.
0: Well, I am right with you. It is a big year three. We all agree. And um, I think we're going to see some good things. Mm -hmm. So my guest on our show this week uh, on our game day uh, segment has been uh, Shemmy Schembechler. Shemmy, as always, you're a great guest. I look forward to following what's going on at GES Advisory. We'll, we'll put the link for uh, the website up on our show notes page. And as you know, you are welcome on the show anytime. So thanks as always, Shemi, and go blue. Thanks, Michael. All the best, buddy. Thanks again to Shemi Shembeckler for being our guest on our game day segment this week. Quick hits is up next as we wrap it up for another week here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio. A member of the Vsporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maize in Brew. On Quick Hits today, so far, no injuries to report from camp. Maybe this week we will get an update, but there has been nothing said so far in that regard. Everyone expects Chris Evans to get the start against Florida, but redshirt freshman Kareem Walker is improving rapidly. Running backs coach Jay Harbaugh said Kareem has used an impressive spring and solid camp to improve his chances of getting carries in the opener. Jay said that all in all, he has had a tremendous camp so far. There has been no shortage of praise heaped on Rashawn Gary. His teammates, Coach Don Brown, and most of the preseason magazines have said Rashawn will have a breakout season this year. Now Sports Illustrated is joining the fan club. In this week's issue, they say Rashawn Gary could be a player prepared to take their team from contender to champion and that he will terrorize opponents. Of course, Rashawn will have plenty of help. As SI also said, Michigan's defensive line is one of the very best in the country, which we already know. Sophomore defensive back Keith Washington has informed the team he will be transferring out of the program effective immediately. Where he is going was not mentioned. Washington was battling for playing time at cornerback and had also seen time at safety during practice. He is a native of Prattville, Alabama, so he might be heading closer to home to continue his career and education we just don't know right now. Later this week, probably on Friday or Saturday, I'll have this month's Michigan Man Extra published. I know I said last week I'd have it, but we got just a bit delayed. My guest will be Steve Lorenz from 24-7 Sports. He will update us on recruiting, and no one does it better. And we'll also talk the latest news from preseason camp. Next week is game week, finally. On Tuesday, we'll have our game day segment, and take a look at the opener from a Michigan perspective with one of our beat writers. Then on Thursday's Visitors segment, we'll have someone who covers the Gators in to talk about what this game means to Florida. So make sure you join us next week as we get ready for the big opener on Saturday, September 2nd. Our free show app is available from the Google and iTunes stores. You can also hear the program on Stitcher, iHeart, TuneIn, and Wolverine Sports Radio. That will do it for this week, sort of. We'll be back on Friday or Saturday with our Michigan Man Extra for this month, and I will give you a heads-up on Twitter and Facebook about which day we're going to release it. Again, Steve Lorenz from 24-7 Sports will be my guest. Until then, have a great Wolverine week, everyone. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Take care, and as always, Go Blue! The Michigan Man podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue! Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.
1: Has the winter season taken a toll on your tile, upholstery, carpet? Call Cyclone Cleaners 570-726-6200. For all your carpet upholstery and ceramic tile cleaning needs, it's Cyclone Cleaners, also offering odor treatment and soil and stain guard. Choose the only cleaning company that supplies the water to clean your home and disposes of it when they are finished. Call Cyclone Cleaners
0: to schedule your cleaning today. 570-726-6200